In our introduction to the Master's Manifesto, we began Jesus' first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. We concluded in stating that Jesus is not after what men do, he's after what men are, because what men are will determine what they do. This episode concludes our introduction. Do you know who the greatest man who ever lived? Up until this time, who was it? John the Baptist. As far as the world was concerned, he was nothing but a raving maniac. He wasn't even part of the religious system. Jesus said he was the greatest man that ever lived. And then he went on to say, But there is one greater than he. Do you know who that is? The least in my kingdom. What are the characteristics of the least in the kingdom of heaven? They are poor in spirit. They mourn. They are meek. They are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those full of mercy. Those pure in heart. Those who make peace. Those who are persecuted. Those who are reviled. Those who have all manner of evil spoken against them. This sounds to me like the biggest list of losers I ever saw. By the world standards, they are. The world says, exert yourself, demand your rights, be a big shot, push yourself up, hold on to your pride. This manifesto is for a different kind of kingdom. It even advocates persecution without retaliation and blesses those who live that way. It's a spiritual kingdom. Jesus was confronting a very religious society. In fact, a whole society full of religionists. They were professional ritualists. Within the Jewish society, Judaism, there were four groups. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. First of all, the Pharisees. They believed that happiness was found in tradition or legalism, the tradition of the fathers. Then there were the Sadducees. The Sadducees believed that happiness was found in the present modernism, liberalism, an updated religion, brand new liberalism. You know, in a sense, they both had a little tiny bit of truth. And then there were the Hessians. The Hessians said, nope, happiness is in the separation from the world. Only they were talking about geographical separation. The zealots said happiness is found in the political overthrow. Happiness is found in revolution. Happiness is found in knocking off Rome. Sounds exactly like 2020 to me. Political, religion, and traditional. Including some in the body of Christ looking for happiness in a cursed earth. Jesus was saying, my kingdom is inside. That's the whole point. That's the whole message of Jesus to the world. That's the whole basis of the Sermon on the Mount. It's inside. Not outside rituals. Not outside philosophy. Not outside location or monasteries. Or any of that stuff. Not outside activism. It's inside. 
Religion always deals with externals, but the Sermon on the Mount invades Jewish thinking with a blast that true blessedness comes from the inside, not the outside. The same is true today. Way back in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord laid it out when he said, The Lord looks on the heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Keep your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. You better guard your heart. If you took care of your spiritual heart, like you take care of your physical heart, happiness results would be amazing. People today are literally going crazy protecting their physical heart. Joggers everywhere. People riding bicycles. Running up and down. Got to take care of the physical heart. The Bible says, you better guard the spiritual heart. Hebrews thinking was it was the seed of all your knowledge of God, the mind. If we did as much to protect our spiritual heart as we do to protect our physical heart, we'd be in great shape spiritually. Most times, we just ignore that area and that's what Jesus is after. In Luke eleven thirty nine to 40, Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? That's the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. There are at least five reasons why the Sermon on the Mount is important. Firstly, the Sermon on the Mount will show you the absolute necessity of the new birth. The Sermon on the Mount will show you that you can never please God on your own, in your flesh, never. Secondly, it clearly points to Jesus Christ. It is perhaps the single greatest insight into the mind of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, it's the only way to happiness for Christians. If you want to be happy, if you want to be really filled with the Spirit, you don't go seeking some mystical experience. You don't go chasing some elusive dream. You don't go popping from meeting to meeting, trying to catch His presence. If you want to know happiness and blessedness, and bliss and joy and gladness, then you just study the Sermon on the Mount and put it to practice. Fourthly, it's the best means I know of evangelism. It's the greatest tool of evangelism there is to live this kind of life. The Sermon on the Mount pleases God. It's a privilege that Sinful, plain old me, just ordinary me, could please God. What an incredible thought. It's so beautifully summed up in the words of the Apostle Paul that in Jesus Christ there is neither male or female, Jew or Gentile, bond nor free, neither Greek nor barbarian. What Jesus said was not some random thought. It was the official manifesto of the king, the creed of the king.
Who were the recipients of this sermon? His disciples. They were the primary target because they were the only ones who could know the blessedness of which he spoke. They were the only ones who could leave the Sermon on the Mount. They were the only ones who could follow it through. They were the only ones who could carry it out because they were the only ones who were partakers of God's own power and presence in their lives. It was only possible for them. This is only possible for you as you know Jesus Christ. It's only possible as you are a partaker of the divine nature. It is possible to conduct the affairs of a nation on the basis of the Sermon on the Mount. It is impossible to conduct the affairs of a nation on the basis of the Sermon on the Mount because the nation is not loyal to the king. You can't leave the Sermon on the Mount unless you know the king. Nations do not know the king. This is not the sermon for social gospel. It doesn't make it. There is no resource. The Spirit of God. What he has to say to us here is profound. Life-changing. I believe the church, you listening, and by extension our nation, will be different when we get through this series on Jesus' manifesto. You cannot study the Sermon on the Mount and remain the same. Let's pray. Father, open the hearts of those listening to this podcast that they receive it. Father, we know that the reception is only for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Only those who are living within them the very life of God could know the blessedness of God. Teach us, Father, the power of this message in our lives, that it may bring change to the body of Christ in Nigeria, to the nations. In Jesus' name, we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. This episode concludes our introduction to the Master's Manifesto. Our next podcast begins to explore those who are poor in spirit. Thank you for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.